Welcome to the Cover 2 with Philip Jordan. Philip and friends break down the latest news in college and professional football every week. So let's get this thing started and snap the football. Hut, hut, hike. Hello, everybody. This is episode 16 of the Cover 2 with Philip Jordan. I am your host, Philip Jordan. On today's show, I'm going to be joined by Justin Ferguson from The Athletic and ESPN 106.7 in Auburn to recap A-Day hours there. And, of course, Justin was there covering the game for The Athletic, so we're going to talk about all some good stuff with A-Day and five questions, which will be NBA themed. So I hope you guys enjoy that. We'll talk about the quarterbacks running backs to receivers receivers really look good for auburn on saturday they're 8 and get his takes on the defense also guys before we do that remember you can follow me on twitter at p jordan football uh, you can find me on facebook just look up philip jordan sports and the show has a facebook page as well the cover to football podcast so very easy to find all that you can check the show out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, TuneIn, and YouTube. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Really appreciate it when you guys do that. If you review the show, we'll read it on a future edition of the show. And remember to check out all my work over at Last Word on College Football. Speaking of the Auburn 8A game, I have my recap, my thoughts up there on Last Word on College Football. So go check that out. I will put the link to the article in the the description below so i really appreciate it if you guys check that out if you've got any questions for me uh, you can email me at sports talk jordan at gmail.com anyways guys let's look back at auburn's 8a game all right everybody coming back to the podcast just a few weeks later is justin ferguson you can check out his work covering auburn tigers over at the athletic and you can catch him every day monday through friday from 11 to 1 central time on espn 106.7 in auburn on the lunch break uh justin uh, thanks again for coming on the show yeah greg always good to come on uh even if it's uh just a couple weeks later ah hey and you know like i joked before we got on the phone i have not changed the name of the podcast so that's that's good too there you go continuity i like it i know it, it's a it's a strange beast to have continuity but uh yeah i appreciate having you on it was um i gotta say this because I was in the stands on on Saturday for a day up there in Auburn, and uh, it was it was really a beautiful day to have football. Mm. Nice, you know, eighty degree weather, but a little bit of a breeze. It was a really nice day. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was really good weather. I, I think last year there was so much you know made about Auburn's bad attendance at a day, but Jarrett Stidham wasn't going to play. The weather was horrible. Um, and then what we saw on Saturday was that people were really excited to see the quarterbacks and the, the weather was perfect and Auburn got about everything it could ask for out of the day. Talking about the quarterbacks, I, I was pretty impressed. I mean, really none of the quarterbacks played bad. I mean, they all yeah. played well. And, um, and I mm-hmm. saw you write this in the athletic. It is evident that two quarterbacks did show separation though. Yeah, yeah, and people have been kind of asking me about that, and and they're kind of surprised because, like you said, all four quarterbacks did well. But I, I think you got to look at it as the spring as a whole. I mean, what you watched at A Day was just a snippet of fifteen. It was just one of fifteen practices, and it was the practice where you know they had to be the most guarded um, because it was the one on TV. It was the one that everybody could watch, 
And, and so I, I think you don't read into it a ton, but I think it was very telling when, when Joey Gatewood and Bo Nix were the ones who got to go with the real first team offense when they were actually playing, uh, you know, real football in the first half. Um, and then, you know, running clock and moving some guys into the second half. It was just completely different. So, uh, it was telling. And we had heard this all spring long that, that, that Joey Gatewood and Bo Nix had separated themselves from the other two quarterbacks. And so it wasn't a surprise at all for me to see that kind of unfold uh, on a day. It wasn't surprising to see, okay, those are the two quarterbacks that were going to go. Um, and, and they play well. They play well. I will say this Malik Willis did not have a bad game whatsoever. Uh, he made some really good throws and some really good decisions. Uh, but this is kind of more of a whole, you know, spring kind of story uh, with him. And so I think fans who are kind of looking at it and say, wait, wait, what about, what about Malik Willis or, you know, even what about, Corey Sandberg, it's like, yeah, those guys played well. No one's going to deny that. It's just you got to take it into account what's going on behind closed doors, you know, what's kind of gone on in those first two scrimmages, especially the scrimmage where those guys got to get hit. I think it was very, very telling that once those things happened, Gus was confident in saying, okay, these are our two guys that we're going to have running with the first-team offense. Um, and so I think that's where you see that separation. Uh, I don't think officially – until Gus says it, Malik Willis or doing or Court Sandberg are completely out of it. It's just the writing looks like it's on the wall in the direction they've kind of been heading. Yeah, and you know, I noticed whenever Cord was in the game, it just seemed like they're a little bit more guarded with him when it comes to throwing. Like the passing yeah. game was more open with the other three quarterbacks, Malik Willis, yeah. Bo Nix, and Joe Gatewood. With Cord, it seems more they they go straight with a more running attack. Why is that? Yeah. I mean, he's just getting used to being a quarterback again. I mean, he his arm was never necessarily the big part of his game. I mean, if you go back and watch his high school tape from 2012, he did a lot of this read option uh, kind of style offense. He was a really good runner. He's a good athlete. Part of the reason why he played you know minor league baseball for several years. Um, his arm's just not his 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 real strength. I mean, he makes good decisions with the ball. He's a he, he's a slippery runner. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. He's still trying. I mean, he's still trying to get back into being a quarterback, you know, and being that kind of guy, um, you know, who's playing football every day of his life instead of playing baseball every day of his life. So I think it's just a thing where they kind of ease it back. And I mean, it's kind of just the, uh, you know, it's the worst kept secret. He, he's not really a big time competitor in this competition. Auburn didn't bring him in with the sole purpose of saying, hey, you're going to really have a, you know, we want you to compete in this quarterback job. Now, that's probably how it was pitched to him. But every time you hear about him, it's about his leadership, his veteran, you know, his professionalism, because he was literally a professional athlete uh, for several years. And, and he, he, they want him to be a, 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 you know, kind of a voice of reason, a calming, you know, presence in that quarterback room. Because whatever happens from here on out with this quarterback, I, I would find it hard to believe that all three of Joey Gatewood, Phoenix, and Malik Willis make it through the entire season at Auburn. I think somebody is going. And so what, when that happens, you want to have a third guy. And Sandberg's kind of the guy. He's not going to – it looks like right now he's not going to get mad and, and leave and go elsewhere because, you know, Auburn was kind of the only one really in on him to, to get this opportunity. And so, yeah, I think Court Sandberg is a great teammate. His, his, his Players and coaches have nothing but great things to say about the guy. Um, but you know, you, you kind of saw it on Saturday. Like, like you said, it's just very guarded when he comes out here. He's not getting the full scope of the offense because I think his value to Auburn comes in availability and what he does off the field and in the meeting rooms. 
Yeah, and, and that's a great quality to have when you are a backup quarterback because, you know, being available mm-hmm. and, you know, like I said, but carrying himself that's way and, you know, and I'm kind of with you. I've kind of been wondering that, you know, when this whole competition, when the dust does settle, will we see somebody transfer? So, you know, you got to have that guy there. Oh, Bo Nix, you know, I think, you know, you look at all the other quarterbacks, and you just mentioned, of course, Sandberg, you know, he has mobile ability. He has running ability. Of course, Joey yeah. Gatewood and Malik. You know, Malik Willis have that as well. So, I, you know, mm-hmm. I wonder if some people are wondering, you know, Bo Nix, you know, what kind of runner is he? Of course, he's not at the level of those three, but he showed Saturday, too, when he can run the read option, he has the ability to pick up big chunks on the ground as well. Yeah, he's an upgrade from Jarrett Sidham in terms of his running ability. I think if, if Bo Nix is your starting quarterback for Auburn this year, you're going to see a lot of similarities in what they did with, with, uh, with, with Jarrett Stidham. Um, a lot of it, and you saw it on Saturday, he didn't get as many opportunities to really uncork deep throws. He was the guy getting the ball out quick in the middle of the field. That was kind of his forte in high school, and that's what he's doing now uh, with Auburn. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a good runner. I mean, he's not a guy who's going to run for 100 yards a game, but I think if he was a starting quarterback at the college level, he could get about 40 or 50 and be smart with it. I think he had one of the better scrambles of the day where he read the field, pocket kind of collapsed, he stepped up, saw nobody open, saw a bunch of green in front of him, said, all right, I'm just going to go and take it. It's the decision-making that he has. Uh, his athleticism, he's a good athlete. He's a great athlete. Uh, he's a great quarterback. He's got a great arm. He's, probably, he's got the best arm on the team. Um, but I think the big calling card for Bo Nix, and if he ends up winning the starting job, what it's, it's going to be because of his decision-making, uh, because he is a natural – I mean, he is – He's a guy who has been trained and primed to be this kind of quarterback. You can see that he's been doing this for a long time. And so he might not try to make the wow play every play, but he'll keep Auburn in the game, you know, a good bit because he just makes good decisions with the ball in his hands. That's what he did in high school. And then that's what you saw in A-Day. He did have that interception, uh, but it really wasn't a bad throw. I mean, it wasn't a bad decision. It was just a bad throw. Um, so you've got to, you know, he's going to make some freshman mistakes. He's going to, he's going to make some bad throws. He's going to, you know, do some things that are a little off. Um, but I think the thing for Bo Nix is that he's the guy who's going to make the right play for you, even if it's not the wow play over and over again. I mean, let's you look at Crystal Ball when it comes to quarterback. Oregon, who do you think gets to start that game? It's tough. I, uh, I, I think you can't go either uh, wrong either way with Joey Gatewood or Bo Nix. If I had to pick today, I've been, I've been big on Bo Nix for a while, but I just – what I've heard for the past month, I, I think Gatewood is a guy who, who might have it early on, and it might take a little bit more, more time for Knicks to kind of become the clear-cut best guy. Uh, maybe a kind of a situation like they had with Trevor Lawrence uh, at Clemson last season. I'm not comparing those two guys talent-wise. I just think you know it might be a little while before he kind of takes over. Um, because Gatewood, the best thing about Joey Gatewood's game, you didn't get to see it Saturday, and, and it's his running ability. Um, I'll tell you this from the people I talked to who were at the scrimmage and people in the program, that first scrimmage, when they went live, it was Gatewood stole the show. Um, he was, he was breaking tackles, uh, against Auburn's first team defense. Those guys like Derek Brown, Nick Coe, Marlon Davidson, they're having a hard time bringing him down. Like he was a very tough customer because he's so big and he's so athletic and in the way he can make plays, um, it's really, really strong. And then I think he's just really developed as a passer. Yeah, he forced some throws. He, you know, didn't, wasn't on target with everything on Saturday, but he looked a whole lot more comfortable sitting back there and throwing. Um, and one of the things that 
uh, his teammates like, and, and I think would be a good sign for Auburn, is the dude's not afraid to uncork it downfield. And he showed that on Saturday. He wants to push it. He wants to make big plays happen. He's eager to do that. And, you know, that can get you in trouble sometimes, but I think it's also a very good quality to have because uh, he's not nervous. He's not shying away. He looks completely different than what he did last season uh, when he was on the bench. And I think that a little bit of experience he has over Bo Nix combined with his running ability that we haven't really got to see yet. Um, I think I could give him the slight edge. But let me tell you this, Bo Nix has the biggest ceiling. Um, you know, he's got the most room to improve. If Bo Nix has a really good summer and he hits fall camp and he just really it look, get, looks more and more comfortable in the offense and is continuing to grow and get used to the college game, um, I could see him becoming the guy. And in that case – if you have Bo Nix as your starter, I think you can still use Joey Gatewood and his running ability and his ability to, to throw the deep ball in some sort of capacity this season. Um, what I saw on Saturday and what I've heard about these two guys, I think Auburn's in a good spot with their quarterbacks. And it might be a situation where you don't have to necessarily go all on one and none on the other. There might be a way for it to kind of even out. Yeah, you know, and it's, you know, look at the guys they're throwing the ball to. And I was impressed. I mean, Seth Williams, I mean – yeah. If Saturday was any indicator of what he could do during, you know, when we get to the season, I mean, I, I'm seeing a breakout year for him, but not just him, Matthew Hill. And I believe you mm-hmm. mentioned him when you were on the show a couple of weeks ago, that, you know, that'd be another yeah. receiver to look out for. I mean, that catch he made from Elite Willis, that first touchdown, with two guys on him to catch it over your shoulder. I mean, there's guys in the NFL that don't make that kind of catch. And then you look at Eli Stove had a pretty solid day there at 8 day as well, too, making plays there. So, receivers, and we talked about this last time, they're pretty deep there. And then, like I said, Swartz is not there due to, you know, track and field. And, of course, Will Hastings. So, once again, I mean, it's even showing more after A-Day how good this Auburn receiving court can be. Yeah, they're very talented. I think Seth Williams, we, we saw what, you know, I think there's a sophomore surge. I think he could be one of the best receivers in the SEC this season. Um, his ability to high point the ball – and and he's just a matchup problem. I mean, Auburn put him in a lot of different situations on Saturday, and he did really, really well at him. Um, I, I think he's going to be – uh, whoever wins the quarterback job is going to want to turn to him pretty frequently. Um, the good thing with, with Seth Williams is – if you don't know anything about Seth Williams is that he played like four sports in high school and just constantly, constantly. So he's never been able – and he was really good at him too. He was, you know, he's an all-state basketball player. Um, really, really good basketball player. And in addition to what he did in, in baseball, and he was, you know, state finalist in track, uh, in, in jumping. And, you know, the thing about Seth is that when I talked to him before he came to Auburn, one of his big things was, you know, this is going to be my opportunity to really focus in on a sport. And he thinks the growth is going to come. And I think you get that first year under your belt and you get to continue to streamline something. I think the sky's the limit for him. You mentioned Schwartz is out. He's going to be a huge weapon, I think, on this team this season. Stove, the veteran leadership, and as much as Gus has talked about him this offseason, makes me think he's in line for a big season. I've been a big fan of Matthew Hills for a while. I think if you're looking for a Ryan Davis kind of replacement, he's the guy uh, that you can rely on. And Marquise McClain looked good. Um, you know, didn't necessarily get the best balls thrown to him over and over again, but he was on the field a lot early, and uh, that's just what we've heard about him all, all, all offseason. And uh, on top of all that, you talk about Hastings, you talk about uh, there's several different guys that can kind of fit in there. 
and they get two more coming in this 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 summer, two four star guys and uh, Javarius Johnson, who a lot of people around here are really high on, and then Jayshon Sheffield, who who is just going to be an athlete. He might not even play this season. It might be a redshirt year to kind of get him to figure out what his role is, kind of like what they did with Matthew Hill. Um, but it, it's getting deeper. It's getting deeper when you throw in that they're throwing to the tight end a little bit more in the H back. John Samuel Schenker was busy. Uh, on Saturday, and they could be getting another one at J.J. Wilson. He's reportedly committed. They've got a lot of weapons, and and I would be remiss not to mention the running backs, too, because the running backs look really well, uh, especially going out for passes. Um, Booby Willow and Cam Martin, even Malik Miller uh, kind of getting out uh, in, in space and, and making plays in the receiving game. So there's a lot of weapons here. Um, it's just going to be finding the right guy to take advantage of. Yeah, you know, and you know, I think Seth Williams, a catch he made, well, he made two of them. One was, you know, the one that set up the first touchdown for the Orange, which looked like he was great to have two guys all over him. Then it was that touchdown catch, his second one, uh, from Joey Gatewood. When Joey Gatewood threw it, I saw two defenders there. I'm like, oh, no, no, that could be intercepted. The fact that Seth mm-hmm. Williams, he jumps in front of both defensive backs and he goes after it. That that was amazing. I mean, a lot of receivers don't make that adjustment and do that. I mean, it's an interception. That that just was very impressive to me on that play, what he did there, pretty much, you know, taking the ball himself. Yeah, he's been working on high point the ball a lot this offseason, and you can tell it's really, really worked out for him. The thing about Gatewood there is that he forced some throws into double coverage and, and some guys into traffic, but you can look at it one of two ways. You can think that was a bad decision, and maybe it was a bad decision. But if you watch his read on that play, he kind of looks that safety off and makes him hesitate a little bit and then turns and sees, okay, I got one-on-one. Safety might be a little bit late to go get it. I trust Seth Williams to go up and make that catch. And it's very, very obvious that he had that faith in him. And, um, you know, I think that connection is really, really strong. And so it might not be this, the, the pass that makes every coach, um, you know, it'll give a coach a heart attack from time to time. But uh, I think in the flow of the game and the way it happened, when you have a guy like that who can go up and get it, um, it's not a bad. It's not a bad throw at all, uh, in my opinion, and and, and it, it's because of the who was the guy on the other end. Yeah, you know, and real quick, I want to just touch on the running backs real quickly. And you know, I've yeah. been kind of just wondering who's going to be the guy that steps up. You know, Jarvis Whitlow. You know, you know he. You know, he look at him. He seems to be the number one back. Who's going to be that next yeah. back? I'm not saying this guy is going to be that guy, but I was extremely impressed with DJ Williams with what he did, particularly. I mean, mainly with the second unit, the blue team. I think he ran for 56 yards on 10 attempts. And just the the quick burst to hit the hole and then just the power to break tackles. I mean, I could see him being a real, you know, change it back, a, a good addition for his Auburn team and could really help in that position. Explosive. And and, and, and he finds a way to get to the, that second gear quick. Um, and tough to bring down, man. He was the guy, he, That was the first team defense he was going up against. They were having a hard time bringing him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's tough as nails. He is tough as nails. Um, a very, I mean, he's got the best ability I think of any running back. It is, it's just it's hard to tackle him. Um, you know, you can be the fastest guy in the world, but if somebody catches you and you're just going down quick, you know, good for you. But like agility, guys, guys aren't always going to get you know their ankles broken in the open field or, or whatnot. The ability to kind of just keep running through contact is is really strong, and he's got it. He's got it, and, and he's a very special player. Um, I think there's a role for him on this team. There's so many good running backs. They're going to add another one in Mark Anthony Richards coming up. Um, it's going to be hard to see how they sort everything out. Sean Shivers wasn't there, and you talk about another guy who loves to run through contact. Um, 
there's a lot. There's a lot. And, and I'll also say this. Yeah, Boo Whitlow looked like the number one guy, and I think he's going to you know be that be, be that feature back again this year. I will say that Cam Martin looked a whole lot more like old Cam Martin on Saturday. Um, he put his foot in the dirt and just was taking that one cut, get up field uh, kind of guy. And last year when he was trying to be the number one back, you felt like he was kind of being a little too hesitant, uh, trying to hit the hole, trying to be like Harry on Johnson. He looked like the Cam Martin that ran for, you know, six and a half, seven yards of carry his first two seasons at Auburn. And if Auburn can get that out of him, I mean, he doesn't have to be a guy who gets double-digit carries a game. Uh, but he can still be very, very effective. So, once again, there's a whole lot of depth there. And a lot of it comes down to the improvements they've made up front. Honestly, I think the first-team offensive line looked pretty strong on Saturday. Um, Markwell Harrell had a really good game. He was making really good impact blocks all over the field. Um, and I think keeping that unit together and, and, and all those seniors and just trusting that they'll figure it out uh, is really paid off right now for all I was definitely, you know, we used this word earlier, continuity. Uh, it, it helps. And, and that is, I believe offensive line is the one where I think you really need the most continuity because that group, yeah. way they have to work together. Unlike any position group out there, they have to be able to work together. If you have a bunch of individuals just looking for their own game, it's not going to work. But when you get five or six linemen together, gelling, working mm-hmm. together, you have, you have a chance of being having a great offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, how many times do we judge an offensive line as a unit? You mm-hmm. know, we can see where guys break down and then when left tackles or right tackles get beat and then give up sacks and stuff like that. But we judge them, especially in the running game on how well they play together uh, and as a unit. Uh, and Auburn, those guys are confident that late last season, they thought they were really turning a corner together and they showed that in the Purdue game. And I think they just want to keep that rolling. Um, it's tough because in 2020, if this stays fair, you're not going to have a returning starter on your offensive line. It's going to be tough. But Gus Malzahn and this offense, they got to have it improved now. And they can't look at, well, what about next year? They got to win now. Um, and so this is the best unit that can get them that opportunity. And we'll see how it pays off for them. So far, it looks like it's going to, going to work. You know, and lastly, you know, look over, you know, try not to neglect the defense entirely. Yeah. It was just it was just a day, you know, when you saw the offensive. But really, the first-team defense played well, of course, led by Derrick Brown with two sacks and four mm-hmm. tackles. But uh, when you look at the defense from Saturday, what was, like, your yeah. biggest takeaway, you know? Because I think the first-team defense played okay. I think they played well. It felt like yeah. Saturday was a – the coaches really set up the offense to look good, you know, for the fans, mm-hmm. to me. But what was your take on the defense? Yeah, I think there were a couple of things that stood out to me. Number one, Nick Coe's going to play everywhere. Like, they're moving him around in a lot of different spots. Uh, I think T.D. Moultrie's made that really that good improvement where they can rely on him to be, you know, a starting uh, or at least a number one edge rusher, speed rusher at that butt position. They're going to move Nick Coe around and do a lot of different things with him. And the mix and the matching that are going on, on that offensive line, I mean, that defensive line, rather, is, is going to be fun to see. Yeah, they've got some packages there that are, are going to be really, really tough for offensive lines to stop this season. The linebacker, I was, yeah, Chandler Wooten getting hurt. You'd never want to see that. It sounds like he might miss a little bit of time this summer, but they kind of expect him to be back for fall camp, so we'll keep an eye on that. But um, and these linebackers look good. Uh, they, 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 were in, they were made good run fits. You didn't, they didn't get beat apart. You know, kind of in coverage over the middle of the field. Uh, KJ Britt is already looking like a really good leader. Owen Papo um, is fast. He's really, really fast and um, <laughs> makes plays from sideline to sideline. 
and he's going to be a, uh, fun to watch. Uh, I'm really impressed with Jacoby McClain, uh, the guy who's the first linebacker, outside linebacker on the field. Uh, he is very much a little Travis Williams. Like Travis Williams sees so much of him in Jacoby McClain, and I think that's really, really um, good because that's the kind of linebacker Albert wants on that outside spot. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, in secondary, you're going to sort some things out. It wasn't perfect. They had to adjust. Um, but uh, two, two guys popped out to me. I thought Christian Tutt looked really good at nickel. Um, you know, he got beat on that Matthew Hill touchdown. But when he came back, I mean, you felt like he kind of locked it down. Uh, and then Daniel Thomas just is trying to hurt people when he plays. Like, he he was out uh, out for blood on Saturday, uh, running all over the field, coming up and making big hits. Uh, he, he was an impressive piece. So all three levels of the defense still got some things to work on, some more than others. Um, but I felt like they showed – some of these new guys, especially guys who are, who are breaking into starting lineup for the first time at first team, guys that can really, really rely on this season. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was this scrimmage was tilted towards the offense, but it was fine. It was definitely it's going to be fun to see how these other battles. You know, everybody's going to be looking at quarterback, but there are some others. You know, storylines and position battles and stuff for Auburn fans to keep an eye on. So it's going to be fun as we go into summer and as the the fall gets in. Well, anyways, Justin, you know, as I like to close it out, you know, this is your third time coming through since I started doing this segment. Uh, are you ready for five questions? All right, let's do it. It's the who, what, where, when, why, and how. Let's find out what's on the mind of today's guest with five questions on the Cover 2 Football Report. All right, now this is a NBA-themed edition since the Ooh, NBA playoffs right. have just started. So uh, okay. really a lot of fun. But uh, number one. Just on for you, who was your favorite NBA player growing up? Oh, growing up, um, you know, when I was when I was a kid, I, I didn't really watch a ton of the NBA. But you know, one of the guys that I always I, I don't know I, I always felt some sort of you know kind of connection to. Really enjoyed uh, you know watching him uh, play for, for, for the longest time was, uh, uh was Dirk Nowitzki. I really like Dirk Nowitzki. I liked the idea of big men who could stretch the floor and shoot. Um, I thought, you know, a lot of people were very big when the retirements were happening. A lot of people were focused on Dwayne Wade and well, Dwayne Wade's a great player, but I, I, Dirk, Dirk's retirement set a little bit more with me. Um, I remember cheering for them really hard when they upset LeBron and those guys, uh, in the playoff, in the finals that, that one time. I just liked it. I liked the fact that he was a big guy who could do a little bit of everything. And, and, and he handled himself like he wasn't a superstar kind of prima donna or anything. He just, you know, kind of did his work and, um, you know, it was just fun to watch and, and did some things on the court that uh, even though he wasn't the most athletic guy in the world, he was just so good at his craft. Um, and then, you know, I when I was in, I guess I would have been in high school when uh, um, Steph Curry got drafted by the Warriors and, I really, really liked Steph Curry when he was at Davidson, and um, that's the reason why I'm a Warriors fan today. I just when 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 uh, when he came out of college, and I loved watching him play, and especially in the NCAA tournament runs that he had. I was like, you know what? I don't have an NBA team. Um, I'm going to go to wherever you know Curry is, and he went to the Warriors. And for the first few years, that was not fun at all. Um, but it ended up turning around, and you know he's part of the greatest you know dynasty probably of the modern era. And he's become one of the best players ever. Um, so it would be those two guys to me. Um, as a guy growing up playing playing basketball was very much about not. I wasn't very athletic. 
Um, but I was a guy who shot a lot. And so those two guys really always stood out to me for the way they played. They weren't big. Oh, well, Dirk was, but they weren't the fastest or the strongest. Um, but they found ways to get space and, and, and hit shots, especially from deep. And that's what I liked about both of them. Almost definitely. And I'll say this about Dirk. I remember when he came to the NBA, uh, he, he really was a unicorn. There was not anybody like yeah. him. I mean, now you see so many big guys that can shoot. I mean, Dallas has two of them now. Yeah. But you see them every year to, to draft big guys that can shoot. But for Dirk, when he came to the league, I mean, that was something you just didn't see, a seven-footer that could shoot. I think that's probably why he got a lot of negative comments and a lot of negative opinions of him as being soft because he wasn't your typical big guy. Yeah, yeah. It was a European game, and, and, and he – and that used to be kind of a, a, a slight if you were perceived as a European big man. Uh, but, I mean, he won the MVP one year. I mean, he was a great player um, and, and became just one of the most beloved players by the end of his career in the NBA for what he could do. Uh, most definitely. Most definitely. All right. Number two MVP discussion, Giannis or Harden? I'm going with Giannis. I mean, what James Harden has done is unreal, especially on the scoring end. I mean, he is he is incredible. Uh, I don't particularly like watching him play a ton because I don't like the the constant free throws and the drawing the fouls and the kicking, you know, trying to, you know, do everything. He's a great player. He's one of the greatest shot creators who have ever lived. Um, you know, he he will tear you up if you're not if you're not uh if not if you're not on your on your best game. And um, but I mean, Giannis, man, he is what he can do in all facets of the game is just stunning to me. And um, the fact that Milwaukee was the best team in basketball this year and he was doing everything offensively, defensively, his stat lines were crazy. Uh, I'm a big Giannis fan. Um, Giannis uh, is probably my second favorite player in the league um, behind Steph, and the Bucks are probably my second favorite team because of that behind, behind the Warriors. So I am biased, and I fully admit that I am biased. Uh, but I just think when you look at the total impact uh, you know, he brings to the game, um, it's got to be honest. And even with Harden, Harden's such a great score, but efficiency-wise, in this era where everybody's trying to be the most efficient uh, you know, teams in the world, Harden's, Harden's percentages aren't great. He just shoots a lot, and um, his usage is through the roof. So I'm going to go with, with Giannis because of what he can do on both hands and the fact that he was the best player on the best team. Okay, okay. And speaking of shooting a lot, I'm a Lakers fan, so I know exactly what it's like to see a guy shoot a lot because, you know, a.k.a. Kobe <laughs> Bryant. Um, and, you know, it's, you got to be nice to have your, your your team in the playoffs. But anyways, let me oh, um, yes. Yes. Let, let me not have an ode to the Lakers here on the podcast today. <laughs> uh, biggest threat to the Warriors? Um, I mean, last night, I think we, we kind of saw when they blew that 31 point lead, there's like, why did that happen? It's just the team. I, I don't want to be cliche and say the biggest threat of the Warriors are themselves, but they just feel like they haven't really gotten out of second or third gear this season. Um, they can turn it on when they feel like it and, and, and it's good. And, but these, they're at this point in the year that they shouldn't be dragging around looking like they're playing a mid December game. That's what they did last night in the second half. Um, so uh, they have the talent to beat anybody. I think uh, Boogie Cousins going down with that injury last night was really bad to see because I think he was going to be a difference maker when because the league has gotten so much better um, and in so you know conference finals or finals match he would have been a key piece to it. Um, but Kevin Durant looks like he's done. I mean he, he's just he's got his he got one foot out the door, maybe even two feet out the door, and it just doesn't seem it hasn't seemed to click this year. 
as well as it has in the past. And it's kind of frustrating some of the games that they've had. Uh, they've won it just they won a lot because they're the most talented team in, in basketball, and they're just going to out talent a lot of them. Uh, they don't necessarily play great basketball all the time, and sometimes when they start to slip, it's things like what happened last night happened when a team like the Clippers, who just wanted it more than them, um, played really well and won. So it's going to be tougher. This is supposed to be the toughest road to the finals they've ever had. Uh, and if they're blowing 31-point leads um, and looking really disinterested in the process, you know, I think uh, I think it's themselves because – there's so many teams in the West that are good, and I can't really point out which one is definitively the best threat to them. Um, because if they play like this, and they play like they've had the last couple of months at certain times, you know, teams like the Clippers can beat them uh, last night. And so uh, what, what's going to happen if they have to get into a series like that with the Rockets or the, or, or the Thunder or, you know, who, who, who knows uh, in the Western Conference? All right. And then uh, number four, who do you like as NBA champion? I'm going I'm to go with the Warriors still just because I think they're, they're, the talent's too great that they'll put it all together. Um, it's not going to be pretty, I don't think, necessarily, uh, but they've got to they've turn it around. And, and I still think, though, that this is the best team in basketball. And, and when Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Draymond Green Clay Thompson are all playing together and feeding off of each other, there really is no defense for that. There's no team that can really match that in terms of talent. All these teams you see, especially with – you know, kind of there's not really very many super teams outside of the Warriors right now. You can start to see kind of this separation happening where, you know, it's going to take Golden State right kind of shooting themselves in the foot. And it's very capable. They're very capable of having it happening because they look kind of lethargic at times. Uh, but I still say the Warriors. I think I trust that Steph and Clay and, and even KD, those guys will get it together uh, and, and, and just prove that, hey, we're, we've got a chance to make history to, to win three titles in three years and four and five. I mean, you're going to go down in history as one of the greatest dynasties in sports ever if you pull this off. Um, so do that and then see where it happens. Kevin Durant's leaving. You can start figuring out things from there. Um, but I, I, think they'll, I think they'll figure it out and kind of send KD out with a ring. All right, number five, and this is everybody's favorite topic when it comes to the National Basketball Association. LeBron or Jordan? I'm LeBron. I'm LeBron, and 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 I, I say that not because like Michael Jordan's amazing, and, and you know you grew up as a big fan of Michael Jordan. And he is he is incredible, and there's no doubt about it. And I think people are going to try to use what happened this past year to LeBron against him. Um, but LeBron's doing stuff at his age that nobody's ever really done before, mm-hmm. and the fact that. He has taken some bad teams to the finals and beyond. I mean, like, the, the team that he took to the finals last year had no business being in it. Um, and Jordan, you know, for all the great things he did and all the winning he did, he did play with two of the best players in the league when they played, when he played with them. Um, so I think LeBron's ability to just – his ability to kind of just will teams deep. Uh, and he wasn't able to do that this year, and uh, injuries played a part in that, and there, there's some real issues – you know, kind of looks like management-wise with the, with the Lakers right now. We'll see if they, they get sorted out. But I, I think it's LeBron. I think it's LeBron because I think LeBron um, individually did more to kind of get his teams further. Uh, and Jordan is as great as he is, and he won a lot. And he's definitely one of the best ever. Um, you know, you could be a clear-cut number two if that. But I just think LeBron did did more, you know, to kind of get his team to these spots. Um and I think the basketball is just better. I think the competition is just better than than it was back in the day, uh, in Jordan's day. So I'm going to lean towards LeBron. 
Um, but if I wanted to be a real contrarian, um, and I feel like I've started to kind of come around on this take um, before, if you really want to blow somebody's mind, um, when people say, okay, who's the best basketball player of all time, and you think it's okay, you're either making this LeBron or Jordan argument, uh, tell them Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Thank you. Because Thank you. you. If, you start, <laughs> if you start looking at Kareem's career and, and his impact on basketball and how much he won – <laughs> at every level he played, mm-hmm. um, you can make a really good argument for him. And I think it's always going to be LeBron or Jordan and LeBron or Jordan. But, man, I th- we don't talk about Kareem enough and what he did. We don't. Well, you know, I'll say this. I think as a guy that, you know, I am a Lakers fan, and I've really studied the history of the Lakers. You know, of course, I wasn't around to watch, you know, most of the Showtime Lakers. But I think it's just because right. Magic was on that team, and Magic is such an outgoing personality. And Kareem just wasn't. I mean, Kareem, for everything I've read and I've seen, he did not like interviews. He did not really like talking to the media yeah. either. So I think that has a lot to do with those two factors why we probably don't talk about him because he just – I mean, you see LeBron and you see Jordan, you know, they – I mean, not outgoing like Magic, but still more than what Kareem was in being overshadowed mm-hmm. by your teammate being Magic Johnson. Right. Right. He did so much and he changed basketball with what he was able to do. And he did it for so long, too, that um, if you ever wanted to make the argument that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the best basketball player of all time, look, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to. I think I think if we're going to do a LeBron versus MJ debate, I think Kareem fits right in with those three. And honestly, you can't go wrong with any of them. Honestly, that's what makes it such a a compelling debate is that all of them have their strengths to kind of give. And and the more and more I talk about it, the more and more I lean to it. Yes, I think LeBron still has the edge because I think he, like I said, he played against, uh, he played, you know, play, played with not as great supporting cast for certain stretches of his career. Of course, he had the Heat and he had the team, that first team in Cleveland or the second team in Cleveland rather. Um, but I mean, Kareem, I mean, the, the way he kind of did it was was impressive as well. So uh, I'm I'm all for throwing Kareem in that third in the mix and just saying make it a three way debate because I mean I think he's right up there. Yeah, I'm just glad you brought him up. I just, you, you're right. You don't hear that in there. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you doing that because that's something I always bring up to folks. I'm like, he won a title in Milwaukee. I mean, no one's done that. Yeah. I mean, he led Milwaukee to a title. So, I think Kareem does yeah. blow in that conversation as well. And, Justin, I appreciate it. I told you before we were going to try to beat 40 minutes. We're like two minutes under uh, 40 right. minutes. Uh, but uh, I appreciate you coming on the show, talk about A-Day, you know, doing five questions once again. And if the listeners want to follow you online, where can they find you? And I'll tell them about the lunch break. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at jferguson.au. You can read all my stuff at theathletic.com. Sign up for a free trial. Um, we can get you, you know, premium sports content for a low monthly fee. You get everybody that we have on board and we are continuing to build and grow um any sport pro college we've got we've got somebody really good covering covering you and i also work there so that's you know you have to put up with my auburn coverage to get you know other great stuff there um and then yeah i, I co-host a show uh, monday through fridays uh from 11 to 1 here in auburn uh the lunch break me and my me and my friend painter sharpless um we do we have a lot of fun uh, we do kind of a different vibe on the normal sports talk call-in show in this area. Uh, we talk about a lot of weird stuff, and we talk a lot of national sports in addition to really covering uh, covering Auburn and what goes on there. And if you want to tune in, if you're in the Auburn area, uh, it's ESPN 106.7, uh, but most of you listeners are probably not in the Auburn area, so I'd encourage them to go to ESPNAU.com 
11 to 1 Central, uh, Monday through Friday. You can uh, hear uh, Mind Painter's nonsense uh, that we put out on the airwaves every day. All right, sounds good, Justin. And I'm sure me and you will talk again between a few times probably between now and then when the season actually does kick off. But uh, as always, appreciate you uh, taking time out to be on the show, and I look forward to talking to you again sometime down the road. Yes, sir. Always having fun. Talk to you later. And thanks once again to Justin Ferguson for coming on this week's episode of the cover two as always a lot of fun talking Auburn football and doing five questions there some intriguing stuff there on the NBA stuff as well that was a lot of fun as always uh before I close it out announcement now before I say this I want to emphasize something the cover two is not going anywhere I kind of you know running joke with my friends is I feel it changes podcast name once a year so what I'm about to announce, I want everybody to know, you will still be getting the cover two every single week. Every single Wednesday, the attempt every Wednesday to have an episode of the cover two talking nothing but football. But with that said, I am launching a second podcast very soon, probably within the month of May, still working out, getting the artwork, getting the music, uh, getting everything lined up, set up for you guys to check it out will be called the Philip Jordan Podcast. I know, very creative, right? I'm not good with the old names. Just put my name on one of them. And what the Philip Jordan Podcast will be, mostly sports, but it won't just be exclusive with football. Now, I'm not saying I won't talk football on the Philip Jordan Podcast. So if I do, just you'll get two shows, two different podcasts with great football content. Now, if I ever do two shows a week like that, the Philip Jordan podcast and the cover two, which you're listening to right now. If I do that and I do have football conversation, it won't be any of the same stuff or content. I won't do that to you guys. I got to give you reason to download both podcasts. But if I want to talk basketball, like I had a lot of fun there talking to Justin about the NBA. I am a basketball fan. You know, may not know that because of just doing a football show, but I am a basketball fan, particularly the NBA. Uh, I want to talk to content creators, uh, especially here in the area I live in, in the Wiregrass. We have some awesome people creating content. I want to get their stories. Uh, kind of, I want to get some interviews with some former players, current coaches, other sports, not just football, uh, people involved in sports locally uh, throughout the state of Alabama in the southeast, and just people with cool stories and are doing cool things. So that's what the Philip Jordan podcast is going to be. So you'll still get my weekly takes of what's going on in professional and college football but over on the phil jordan podcast we'll be doing different things every week so i just hope you'll check that out i may even try to bring some musicians in there uh local radio you know on-air personalities they're not necessarily all in the sports world like i said it will just be different stuff every week just interesting people having interesting conversations and uh interesting content and stuff like that so the philip jordan podcast will be less of an opinion show from my end more of a interview show getting to know people telling stories because i believe in this line of work you are a storyteller and uh i enjoy the opinions of this show i do i mean giving my opinions most time probably some people's mind wrong that's a lot of fun i have a lot of fun in my hot takes but i also like to take deep dives into guests into people and their stories because everybody has a story and I think we can take something from those stories. So that's what I'm working on right now, getting the Philip Jordan podcast up and running. And probably what I'll do when that podcast really launches and it's up on Apple Podcasts and all that stuff, 
some interviews I've had previously on this show and the former iteration, which was the football report. Some of those interviews will be on there just to kind of get right idea how, you know, when I interview people, how I like to do things. So those all be football related interviews, but we'll transition into other stuff, other people, like other sports, just other lines of journalism. Like I said, content creation, you know, not trying to repeat myself over and over here, but that's kind of what you can expect there on that show. And I'm kind of working on getting some people, some interviews lined up for that show as well. Um, and actually tells people what name that show is with some people to talk to and uh, hear their stories and talk about them um, as well. Like I said, and, and I may do a show where I want to talk NBA or college basketball or major league baseball or something different. So two different shows. So I hope you enjoy this show and I hope you will enjoy the Philip Jordan podcast, which will be launching pretty soon. And I'll keep you guys updated on that on when I'll be launching that as well one well, guys now i'm going to close up the show i uh, appreciate you guys listening to this show uh remember you can follow me on twitter at p jordan football uh, you can follow me on facebook just look up philip jordan sports very easy to find uh the show has a uh a facebook page uh the cover to football podcast and real quick a side note i will be just posting all the philip jordan podcast episodes over at the philip jordan sports page so won't be making a new Facebook page for it. Just, that's where you can find that. Uh, you remember this show, you can find an Apple Podcast, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, TuneIn, and YouTube. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Really appreciate it when you review it. And if you do, I will read it on a future edition of the show. Check out my latest article over at Last Word and College Football, recapping Auburn A-Day. Uh, got some SEC wide scope related stuff coming up soon too so uh, keep an eye for that and guys know you can email me anytime at sports talk jordan at gmail.com i'll be back next week we got t-day coming up this weekend so i'll be going to that this saturday i plan on trying to have somebody on next week to talk about that we got the nfl draft coming up rick saratella we'll see if we can get rick back on the show if he yeah, we can do that uh but anyways, guys, uh, till next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 with Philip Jordan. Tune in next week for more great college and professional football talk. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.